Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here uh, on the uh, on the Philippe Matthews Show with a phenomenal uh, uh, woman and a phenomenal friend. Her name is Sharon Shur- uh, Ross Ingram. She's an attorney, CEO of the International Center for Strategic Planning, uh, chief strategist for the Strategic Thinkers Mastermind and founder and director of the Foundation for Real Nutrition and Sustainable Living, an organization she founded after witnessing the positive dramatic effects that a diet of real food had on her son's recovery from autism. We definitely want to talk about that. As an award-winning motivational speaker, Sharan teaches audiences breakthrough strategies that cut through excuses and challenges that break, or should I say, that block progress. Her comprehensive solutions accelerate business growth, keep careers on the fast track, and support achievement uh, of specific uh, personal goals. The result uh, that you'll achieve and receive working with Sharan is that clients will stay focused and consistently get the most important things done while enjoying the ride of their life. How are you, my dear? I am warm and hot and ready to go, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all right, well, now tell your audience that's because I'm in Chicago. That's because you're in my hometown, the Chi-Town. <laughs> and it's almost 100 degrees right now. Oh, my, with the humidity. With No, uh, well, with the humidity, it's in the hundreds, I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, uh, uh, luckily you, you have central air. If not, uh, have sweat for me. <laughs> you know I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've known each other for quite some time, and, and, and I have uh, watched your uh, career over many years, and I have watched uh, countless people who have come uh, through your uh, uh, consulting and 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 strategy sessions, and literally become uh, uh, game players uh, and 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 uh, game changers. Uh, talk to me about what is the essence uh, of of what you do in terms of creating strategy for people. What is actually the, the process of that? Well, I am most known for what's called the essence of strategy and getting to the heart of getting things done. Mm-hmm. Most of my clients are um, either, you know, kind of successful already or just sort of, you know, really ambitious, aggressive people who are on the verge of being, you know, successful. Their biggest thing is not necessarily figuring out what to do, but how to really make a strategy their own. In other words, customizing that strategy for their particular strengths so that we can either minimize their weaknesses or either make their weaknesses irrelevant. Mm. So I really help them customize a a strategy for them and then really get to what I do call the essence of a strategy, and that is figuring out how they can have a customized mindset support program to help them sustain 
their commitment to achieving a specific goal or completing a specific task. So that's really the foundation of what I do is really get down deep and figure out how you're going to inspire and sustain commitment to the achievement of a goal. Why is and I that think a, that's lacking. Well, sure, sure. Why, why well, do you thanks think, for asking. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why do you think that's important in getting to the heart of the matter and getting deep down into the uh, the essence uh, of, of strategy in terms of what they're trying to achieve? Well, I'll tell you, you know, these are all, like I said, very ambitious people, so they do want to achieve things, but in many cases they lack the focus. Hmm. And I think there's a, not think, I, I know there's a real big myth about whether or not you'll be focused if it's important. I mean, it generally goes like if it's focused or, or, or if it's important to you, you'll be able to stay focused and get it done no matter what. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you know, that's not the truth. A lot of times there are things that are important to us, but we can't seem to get past our own selves, you know, or get over our own selves to get out of the way there to get it done. What I'm looking at is what does it really take to inspire and sustain commitment? And I think commitment is the, is the real essence of it. And we all know that having the right mindset is a fundamental requirement for success, but people look at that in a general way for their life, you know, mm-hmm. having a positive attitude, you know, just staying positive. They don't really look at how they can customize mindset support for a specific goal. Like for example, if you know that cold calling is part of your success strategy, I mean, it's how you're going to go about developing business, but you haven't explored um, firsthand, really gotten to the heart of any blocks you might have about cold calling mm-hmm. and determining what you can specifically do to stay motivated, to stay inspired, and to sustain that commitment every single day just about cold calling, you're going to find yourself doing what I call hit and miss. You know, some days you'll be on, some days you won't. And no matter what anybody says, I believe the foundation of success, honestly, is consistent and sustained effort. Mm-hmm. So what I'm talking about gets you to that consistent and sustained effort. That's what produces results, not the hit and miss of people with good intentions. Make wow. Sense? I like that. It's not just enough to have good intentions. You have to – wow, that's that's powerful. I mean, we all have good intentions. I mean, we well, not all. Anyone listening to your show, <laughs> okay, anyone listening to your show is going to be someone who, you know, has desires, has goals, and has taken the next step to figure out, you know, to feed themselves with new ways, new skills, new thoughts, you know, how to get over those blocks and those uh, sabotaging habits. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of people who I would say are my kind of people, too. That's why Mm -hmm. I guess you and I, you know, have been friends for so long. Mm -hmm. But those are my kind of people because, yeah, they know they want to get things done. They may even already know what they want. And they may actually even already have a strategy for doing it. But what they're not doing is consistently on a day-to-day basis. Because success is just a string of days, successful days tied into successful weeks, which become successful months, which become successful years. Mm-hmm. So I focus in on how to sustain that commitment, sustain that continued uh, day-to-day effort. And I think a lot of people overlook that. Well, I, I know they do. I think that's why we don't have as you know many success stories as we would like to have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think it's uh, incredibly powerful that, uh, you know, uh, I, I can uh, uh, raise my hand and say I'm 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 
up for being one of your clients because uh, it's 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 really it's really difficult sometimes to uh, sustain that level of focus on a daily basis. You know, you use the, the the analogy of cold calling and you know saying, hey, some days you're on, some days you're not, and so you're in a, you're in hit and miss mode. Uh, and then in some situations, you just can't get past go. And most people, yeah, most people wouldn't even associate that with strategy. They would just associate that with procrastination or motivation or having you know, a bad day having yeah. a bad day yeah you know but yeah. that is amazing that it is actually uh, a part that that it can be dealt with uh, or eradicated through strategy mm-hmm. exactly um and that's what we do we come up with a specific plan that is going to sustain the mindset for key tasks for key uh objectives to get you where you have to go, and I know other people don't do that, and that is, uh, you know, that's that that has been one of my hallmarks, and I think that's why my clients really go to the next level on whatever it is they want to do because we have gotten to core support, you know, the essence of it all. Wow, that is incredible. How did you, um, over the years, develop this? Where, where did this come from? What was what were some of the uh, 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 happenings in your life that that uh, moved you to say I'm going to become you know the, the the top of the line you know world class strategist. Well, you know I think it was mostly because many of the people I was working with in my mastermind program were coming so accomplished on the outside, yet they were so ambitious still on the inside. I mean I love that people who have done really great things and they still have the drive to go on and. And, you know, all of my uh, clients get confidentiality with me. I mean, in fact, some people I have confidentiality agreements that don't even allow me to acknowledge that I even know them. So mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's real confident because many of these people are the, you know, CEOs and the GOAT people. That, I mean, they were hired in their company to have the answers. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. most of these people rarely have people who they can talk to about the answers and not be seen in anything other than the person with the answer light. So as I'm listening to these people talk, you know, it's not that they don't know what to do necessarily. They're shocked in many, in many instances that they don't seem to stay focused. They they liken it with passion. You know, you know, my I'm losing my passion. You know, I, I'm not sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. And really what it was was just certain areas of their strategy, certain areas of what they needed to do. They didn't have a, a, a strategy themselves for staying focused in that way. And I really caught on pretty early because um, this, you know, this is something I've been doing now for maybe that has been part of the mastermind program for about seven years now. Um, I recognized early on that what we needed was a strategy for the mindset, <laughs> not just a strategy for the uh, the mechanics of the goal, so to speak. I mean, not just a strategy for cold calling, not just a strategy for networking. I mean, we needed to keep the mind limp. Uh, nimble, ready to act, ready to go, focused. So, yeah. So, so how to stay focused and get things done has kind of been my mantra, and that's what I teach. Wow, how incredible is that? You talk about <clears throat> in your in your uh, process of strategy. You talk about developing courageous commitment. What is that? What is courageous well, commitment? Thanks for asking that because that's one of my favorite favorite topics. You know, <laughs> I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned earlier that you know um, that what I'm doing is really designed to inspire and support your commitment to the achievement of a goal. Now I say courageous uh, commitment because 
there's, you know, three things I think that's required to achieve anything um, once you have a strategy in place. Um, that's courage, that's discipline, and energy. Okay, we can talk about all those things on um, at a different time here, but the focus on the courage part, because some people, even with having the right plan in place, they may not have the courage to get it done because it will likely take them out of their comfort zone for a while. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be willing to go to a dark places sometimes to confront yourself to get over it so that you can move on to the next level. I mean, that's kind of that old saying, take one step back to take three steps forward. Mm -hmm. Some people are frightened of a step back because they think it means that they'll never move forward again. So that courageous commitment um, has to be there. And one part that I add to that that I don't usually say outside of a speech somewhere is that it's a courageous commitment to something big and worthy. I mean, you are trying to accomplish something that means something to you. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just something you feel like you have to get done. It means something, and everything on some level means something. But when we're making a courageous commitment to something big and worthy, it's got to be important enough for you to want to be courageous about it, or else it's just not going to work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. You know, there's an old quote that says, uh, in order to acquire something you've never had, you must become someone you've never been. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're not willing to do that, and then a lot of people will tell you they are, very few mean it and will take the next steps to make that happen. How how incredible is that? Yeah, you know, again, <clears throat> no one would 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 think that uh, uh, courage uh, and strategy would be used in the same sentence. That is true. That is true. But what it, <laughs> it is. But it I like is. that fact that you said. You know, look, I'm going to probably you're going to probably open up some things uh, that are going to take you into some areas that are a little dark, that are a little scary, that are completely outside of your comfort zone in order to achieve uh, the, the, the bigger goal. And, yeah, most people would be afraid of that, and I would assume most people come to you, uh, unbeknownst perhaps to themselves, in a state of avoidance, just completely yes. avoiding the issue. Yes, 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 yes. They actually come to me because they think something is wrong with their uh, uh, the mechanics of their strategy because they can't seem to get it done. Mm. When, when, and in fact, if we give, you know, put in some mindset support for that specific strategy, it changes the game entirely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. You know, you kind of tapped on it um, uh, uh, briefly, but I like to go into it a little deeper, and and that is, you know, what about the people who say they want something, they have a goal, they want to develop a strategy. They're, you know, they, they they'll go to a motivational rally. They, you know, they'll they'll watch all of the Oprah episodes. <laughs> you know, they'll write <laughs> Dr. Phil and they'll get all the DVDs and CDs. And they really say, "Hey, I'm really motivated to do this. I've got to do this. This is what I want to do." And then when it comes time to uh, take action, or life moves on them to uh, that will force them to take an action, uh, they retreat. Well, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people who are unwilling to look forward. Um, they would rather stay focused on all the reasons why mm -hmm. something can't happen. And if you're going to stay focused on that way and see your situation through fear's eyes, you know, there's not much someone out, someone else like me can really 
do for them. And I, I hate to admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone says, well, you know, if you're this motivational guru, you know, you should be able to motivate. No, 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 no. I can set the stage, but mm-hmm. it is an inside job. Mm-hmm. And I and, and when someone is really unwilling to to look forward, um, they're, they're they're too busy justifying, you know, why they need to look forward. They're just mm-hmm. stuck stuck in that, you know, that fear mode. And mind you, a lot of people do operate all the time out of fear trying to do good things. I mean, they're doing things because they fear being broke. You know, they fear a failed business rather than doing it for the thrill of success. Two different things. Mm. Um, so if they are stuck in the can't move forward, unwilling to move forward for reasons inside that they're unwilling to even explore, there's not much I can do for that. But if they're willing to, like I said, go to the dark place in some instances, I mean, this is not about some deep psychotherapy in some cases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what it really means is sometimes it's just acknowledging, okay, this is where I am, but, okay, I'm going to focus on where I want to be. I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you don't have to go back and figure out everywhere you went wrong. Mm-hmm. Figure out, you don't necessarily have to go back and, you know, find that fork in the road where you went down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. I think if you are focused on doing the right things now, you're going to find your way to the right path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's the that's the frame of the mindset that I come with. We're going to get to the right path, not by necessarily exploring all the things you did wrong, but focusing on what you need to do that's right right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, t- talk to me about this. I mean, um, Strategic goal achievement uh, does it does it not stem from uh, having a really powerful why versus uh, a powerful how? I think they're both necessary. Mm, okay. I do think it's both necessary because if you don't know why, <laughs> the how will only be a hit or miss thing. It won't be consistent. Mm-hmm. You know what you're doing. I mean, this is getting sort of getting back to the very essence of what it is I'm doing. Most people do struggle with the why. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? And, and, and in fact, what I hear most often is, um, "Why am I doing this?" You know, I'm meant to do something better. And, and I bring up this uh, example of cold calling again because I have found that a lot of people have attached such negative status with it, not just the fact that. They're on the phone with someone, possibly getting rejected, disrupting somebody else's life, all those other reasons that people give for hating cold calling. Mm-hmm. A lot of people attach that with lackey work. They think that they're beyond it, you know, that if they were further in their career, they wouldn't have to do it. And mm-hmm. rather than seeing it as a very uh, viable, I mean, I personally have seen cold calling outdo networking. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people... I've seen people who are uh, who do, who don't have the commitment to networking, or even when they do, they just don't have the right mindset support, and it's a hit or miss thing. Versus someone who day in and day out is doing that cold calling, cold calling will beat them out, even though it's seen as an inferior strategy to, to networking. So it's not necessarily the, just the strategy. Sometimes it honestly is the why behind it. It is the commitment to it. I think you need both. You need to know why you're doing it, and of course you need to know how. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, you know, every everyone is looking for kind of a secret formula for success and achievement. And I, I guess the question would be, well, there's two markets. One is the market for people who are uh, just starting out and looking to make changes, but then also you have the people who've been in the game for quite some time. 
and uh, they too need a reboot. Can you speak to both of those individuals and and what what would be your first uh, uh, foray or or, or strategy uh, for those individuals? Well, my first step when anyone comes to me, no matter you know. CEO of this or that, you know, if or, or if it's just CEO of YOU kind of situation. So big company, small company, or, or, or just single entrepreneur. My first step always, always, always involves uh, figuring out what it is you really want. What is it that we're really trying to accomplish? Now, that sounds so simple, <laughs> but I'll tell you, most people really like that kind of clarity. They really don't know what it is they're trying to accomplish, and so they definitely don't have the why part answered, okay? And that why part honestly goes to purpose, clarity of purpose. Lack clarity of purpose, lack clarity of um, what it is you want to accomplish, and what you're going to find out is that you've been working on something superficial. So no matter, so even if it's, so even if it's achieved, you still don't feel good about it. I mean, how many people have you met that, you know, when you get to know them personally, regardless of their millions of bucks or New York Times bestsellers, whatever it is, there's sometimes a gnawing unsatisfaction deep down, a lack of fulfillment, and that's because, yeah, they they did their to-do list, but they didn't do what, you know, they didn't do that must list, you know, that that, that, that yearning to-do list. They, they wow. really didn't get to the bottom of what it is. They really want. Yeah, they want money, but why? Why, why, why? Uh, Let's get a clear understanding of what it is we're trying to accomplish. So that's where I always start. What are we trying to accomplish? Because when we really know the bottom line, the core purpose, we could, that's when we can say, okay, is this the right strategy for you to achieve that? Mm-hmm. Because you've interviewed enough people, and I'm sure had enough life experience to know there's a million ways to make a million dollars, mm-hmm. um, or at least a million vehicles to make a million dollars. Just mm-hmm. a couple of very core core principles, no matter what path you choose. But you may be doing something that is just not right for you, that mm-hmm. doesn't capitalize on your strengths or make your weaknesses irrelevant. So that's where we start. We figure out what it is you really want. You know, you have opened up, a, a, as they say, a can of whoop-ass because... Whooping, whooping, whooping. Whooping, 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 because there are so many people who are uh, have uh, uh, just, you know, been thrown into a particular role uh, yes. of, yes. you know, having to pay the bills, be, being the breadwinner. Uh, but and mind you, but I, I'm going to stop you for a minute. They weren't thrown. They accepted it. Well, there you go. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely yeah, they right. It. Yeah, unbeknownst to themselves, they thought they were thrown into it, but they actually exactly. said yes to it at some point. They did exactly. That is that's hardcore because now you're talking about really truly, you know, uh, uprooting uh, uh, core, you know, anchored beliefs and mm-hmm. dominant belief systems. That's powerful. It is. You know, I tell my um, people, I tell my, and I remind myself, because, you know, this is not just for, you know, my clients help me more to, or just about as much as I help them. I, I I have to remind myself that, you know, there is not a single thing that we do that at the time we did it or at the time we decided it, we didn't think, I mean, it was in our best interest to do it. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. So whatever you said yes to, 
um, you thought it was in your best interest at that moment, even mm-hmm. if it was to satisfy, you know, someone else's desire, you felt it was in your best interest to make somebody else happy mm-hmm. or else mm-hmm. you wouldn't have done it. And we won't, we won't admit that so many times. So how can we really um, honor or feel sincere about the desire to change when we know at a core level what we did, we were doing to satisfy our needs, keep ourselves happy for whatever reason in the begin- in the first place? I hope, that makes, I hope that makes sense. I think I might have said it a little backwards. <laughs> no, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, in essence, what you're saying, and it's true, is, you know, why do people like us go into – uh, personal growth, professional development. It's still a selfish act, in a sense. Exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So even if we said, I did this because, no. And on a core level, you did it because you felt it was in your best interest to do so for whatever reason at that time. So another, aspect, so another aspect of, of, of uh, uh, strategy and courage is also just latent honesty. Exactly. Being honest with yourself. And some of us have been lying to ourselves for so long, that's a challenge to do. Wow. But you've got to get honest. And that's where I think the value of an an objective person like myself, if I were your coach, you know, comes in because, you know, I don't know you in a certain way. You are fresh meat to to me, so I can just tell you what it is. You know, I can tell you what it is I'm I'm seeing going on, mm-hmm. and you know, it's up to you to say, well, you know, there's some validity to that, or there's not. But I can only tell you what I'm seeing, and chances mm-hmm. are, if I'm seeing it, others um, are seeing it as well. Mm-hmm. So I can be honest, and you know, call you out to be honest, you know, when necessary. I that's, love and that. And that's a pretty valuable. That's a pretty valuable thing, especially for people who are, you know, who who are successful or in positions of leadership. They may not have people willing to call them out on certain things, so they mm-hmm. don't get to be honest a lot of times. That's time. correct. Yeah, well, most people at the, you know, when you become successful, they have just a bunch of, of yes people around them mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, are mm-hmm. on the payroll that are, you know, don't want to get fired, don't want to, you know, uh, uh, get uh, ostracized from the inner circle. So that's exactly. And even if those people don't consider themselves to be yes people, um, in many ways they are because they do have a vested interest in not getting on the bad side of someone. <laughs> right. <laughs> they really, really. Yeah, they have really, to be honest about that. Yeah, let's be honest yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and the one thing that success has allowed me to do as a coach is to be willing to drop someone. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if I can't be that kind of honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. no one in client is that, you know, is, is important enough for me to sugarcoat um, or send them out there. I'm not doing them a service, you know, the service I'm being paid to do. I love that. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, when I introduced you, um, uh, there was something in your bio that, that stood out. And, of course, we've talked about it briefly uh, uh, throughout the, the years. But you are the founder and director of of the Foundation for Real Nutrition and Sustainable Living, uh, which you founded uh, after witnessing the positive and dramatic effects that diet uh, that a diet of real food had on your son's recovery from autism. Could you please speak on that and the the organization? How did you come to find this? What what was it that that you saw that that helped your son? That helped your child? That's absolutely incredible. 
You know, that's obviously something that's very near and dear to my heart because it affects my child. And, you know, anyone with children out there knows that if your child is hurting, (laughs) nothing in the world is right for you until that is fixed. Sure. Um, So, well, you know, my son's autism diagnosis came as a huge, huge shock to me Um, for probably a couple of reasons more so than it does for the typical person because I had been, you know, living or eating organically and healthy uh, prior to his birth. Um, I did not vaccinate um, either of my children, you know, especially, you know, or my son. So we didn't have the typical starting point of, of autism that most people do have. Hmm. Um, so when I saw things weren't quite right, you know, there were some challenges there. I suspected it, but I said, no, it can't be. You know, we, we didn't get vaccinations. We didn't do this. And eventually, it, you know, it that's what it ends up being. And so, like, you know, any parent in that situation, you know, I was really committed to uh, helping this kid be all he can be. And, you know, to be honest, as I've learned and I've really done some work on myself around that whole energy, the whole energy of all that situation, you know, it was still selfishly oriented because, honestly, from the very beginning, you know, I was scared not only for his life, but I was scared for my life. I mean, what was it going to be like if everything totally revolved around autism, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. and anybody who has autism in their life, they really can understand that. So, And if you don't, it's hard to understand, so I'm not going to explain that part. But mm-hmm. I said to myself, you know, I had this dream of what my life would be like with a child in it, and now that dream is you know, completely altered um, in, in in ways in all ways beyond recognition. Mm-hmm. So I say, you know, we gotta. What can we do to you know fix this? And of course, when your child gets a diagnosis, you know, at least when I received mine, it was pretty much. And I'm you know I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but it was you know, oh, your kid has autism. There's no cure. Good luck. There mm. was no, you know, I wasn't pointing them to um, any particular resources um, at the time. He was in what's called early intervention. It's something that uh, most states have some sort of services for children under the age of three. Mm-hmm. He was in that, and they seemed to be unfazed by the diagnosis. In other words, you know, they weren't looking at changing his therapy schedule or doing anything different. Um, so you were really just sort of left out there on your own. Now, thankfully, what I what I had to access to was what many of the people who came before me didn't was the internet. Um, the internet, oh my goodness! Uh, I think we would still be in an autistic fog right now if it had not been for me being able to just get online and see what others are doing, have done, or at least trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that just took me, you know, everywhere. Um, and what I kept seeing from a lot of people who had recovered their children, something that was uh, a, a new concept to me because the doctors told me. You know, there's no cure for autism. Mm-hmm. So many people have actually recovered their children. I mean, their children were no longer autistic. Um, they once were. Now they're not. Wow. So a common, yeah, a, a lot of people who had done this, um, not everyone, but a lot of them said nutrition was foundational. And I realized that um, after digging into their individual stories, that meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I set out to find out what it was going to mean for us. Mm-hmm. So did a lot of uh, a lot of nutritional reading, um, and I came to something called traditional nutrition. That is a way of eating that is reminiscent of what our forefathers ate. You know, a lot of cultured foods, meaning foods, you know, fermented foods, 
um, a lot of broths, just things that we used to do before we had the packaged foods and, 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 and other modern so-called conveniences. And I started, you know, feeding my son a certain way, and I noticed that, you know, day by day, he was just becoming more con- connected. He used to walk around staring at ceiling fans and all, and, and watching the wheels spin on his uh, train. He could literally do this hours, if I let him, hours, mm. and had no interest whatsoever in anyone else. I mean, what you were doing, literally even next to him or in front of his face, didn't faze him in the least. He was in his own world. And I saw him, you know, slowly but surely begin to emerge from that. He just wasn't in the fog. And now that I've really gotten to some of the science behind food, certain foods and what happens when you have leaky gut and all these things like that, I can totally understand why nutrition helped him. The thing I didn't get or didn't expect to have happen was, you know, I sort of put everybody in the family on his diet out of exhaustion. I mean, I got tired of just, you know, cooking meals just for him. Sure. So everybody went on the diet. And I noticed for me, I felt like I was, I had more clarity. I had more energy. So I said to myself, wow, it can help people with autism, and it actually can help people who don't technically or have, you know, or don't know they have autism. Mm-hmm. So I said, wow, you know, I was trying to find play dates and things for just to be able to be around other people who had nutrition as a priority in their life, and mm-hmm. I found that difficult to do. So I founded this organization, and as a result, you know, we have hundreds of people on our Yahoo group, and we have, uh, you know, any 30, 40, 50, 60, I think we had as much as 100 people come to our monthly meetings, um, all people who feel this way, the nutrition is a priority in their life. And, it, and everybody is, who's been with our nutrition plan, so to speak, and it's different for every person, you know, they, they've all experienced really great things. So that's kind of been a passion for mine is really spreading the, the value of real, real food, whole food, unprocessed food, um, you know, fermented foods, all those traditional foods that our, our forefathers, our grandparents enjoyed. Wow, how incredible is that? You know, um, two things that I need right now is uh, your websites, one for the uh, for the nutrition for the foundation and one for your strategic planning. Sure. Um, I have to, it's probably, I'm going to give you four websites. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> Each one has two. Each one has two. Um, the main website for strategic planning um, is actionablestrategicplanning.com. Actionablestrategicplanning.com or a, a, a more a central place to go would be just to Sharin.com. That's spelled S-H-E-R-R-I-N.com. Now, for the nutrition side, there's two websites. We have the Foundation's website, which is foundationforrealnutrition.org or traditionalnutritionwisdom.org. Excellent. I, I'm, I'm sorry, not .org. Let me scratch that. Traditionalnutritionwisdom.com. Aha. Okay. So, so the only one that's .org is the Foundation for Real Nutrition.org. Okay. Everything else is .com. Now, uh, also what they'll be able to find on the one that I remember is Sharin.com is uh, you are an author uh, of a book called uh, Wealth Mentality. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. That was one of them. It's been a while. I can't believe how long it's been, but that was actually almost 10 years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. I, yeah, that I did that book, Wealth Mentality, Program Yourself to Get and Keep the Wealth You Want. 
That's also at wealthmentality.com if they want to get more information about that. Okay, fantastic. Well, tell me a little bit about that book and why you wrote it 10 years ago. And um, I think that it's uh, a timeless uh, masterpiece, and I oh, think it's you. extremely relevant uh, in this uh, particular economy, world economy that we're in. Well, at the time, I was teaching uh, and had been for several years teaching courses on or seminars on how to buy properties in foreclosure and how to buy tax liens. And, you know, all of these people would come through, you know, over the years, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people had come through. Um, I never did an official count, so maybe thousands. Because, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I did it for almost ten years. Um, they had been coming through paying all this, you know, these gobs of money for me to, to teach them these things, and a number of people weren't using the, the strategies when I would follow up with them. So I really wanted to find out why, you know, why only a few. And I interviewed a lot of people, and what I determined was they didn't, those who didn't, didn't have what I call the wealth mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's what the book is really about, what is a wealth mentality and what you can do to get one. And, and it, it just embodied all of that stuff that I learned from that time. Because if, um, mindset should always come before skill set. If people do not develop the right mindset, spending good jobs and money to develop the skill set is going to ultimately be, uh, I won't say a total waste of time, but it's going to be disappointing because they're not going to do it, which is why I knew developing and supporting the right mindset for strategies was important. You see how all that ties together? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so, so the whole mindset support really comes back from when I you know, wrote Wealth Mentality. Wow. I can see that. I can see all of the threads there that uh, that are looping around into that that would make that uh, uh, phenomenal fabric of, of strategic planning. What have you learned in the last 10 years uh, in this economy uh, in terms of your uh, wealth mindset? What have been some of the biggest lessons? The biggest lesson for me was, especially with wealth mentality, is how uh, – is how so few are willing to do the work hmm. of having, of getting and and maintaining a wealth mentality, or just even because you know I know the word wealth just really a lot of people gloss right over it because well oh, I'll never be wealthy you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but just let's just call it having you know a a, a successful mindset having the mm-hmm. right mindset mm-hmm. so few people are willing to do the work to have it. And when they come across those who do have it, you know, they figure they, you know, what they did get out of life, you know, just they were lucky somehow. It, had, it didn't have so much to do with the kind of person they were or, or chose to be and how and how they developed themselves. It was out of luck. Mm-hmm. So I really learned that a lot of people will make those kinds of excuses, more so than I thought, more so than I thought. So that was a... Huge, huge lesson for me. Um, and second, how few people are willing to invest in themselves. I mean, if they have to pay for something themselves, I mean, if their employer doesn't pay for it directly or something like that, they're just not willing to invest in themselves. Interesting. They, they're, they're just willing to go along and complain about what they don't have, rather mm-hmm. than invest to figure out how to get it. Well, you were telling me a story about uh, some of uh, what happened uh, in terms of your best intentions of uh, providing housing uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> for countless uh, for countless uh, 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 you know people in 
the the uh, Chicago and outlying Chicago area, and uh, basically because of uh, exactly what we have been talking about for the last uh, 45 minutes, uh, they did not have the mindset, they did not have a strategy, they, and, and as a result, they actually killed their own good in a sense, uh, and it had a you know a ripple effect also in terms of uh, your property. Could you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, um, there's always been the eviction process, even before the recession happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there were people who either couldn't afford to pay their rent or just honestly chose not to. Um, and I honestly didn't believe that there were people who would choose not to. So when you say, what have I learned? Um, I've Now that, I mean, my husband and I do own, you know, um, several investment properties. And it has been amazing to me how often people choose not to pay rent. They will do something else with the money and really honestly get angry for you with you for wanting it. And, uh, <laughs> That's yeah, um, for me. Yeah, and, you know, I think the most unbelievable and dramatic case of this happened for us recently, and that's a story I was sharing with you with one of our um, – one of our uh, multi-unit buildings, we had a gentleman in there, and I, I use that word loosely now. <laughs> we had someone in there who um, we had made arrangements with. They were supposed to get a reduction in rent and you know, in exchange for performing some maintenance-type duties for the property. Mm-hmm. And the shocking part was, um, you know, after a couple of months of this arrangement, the person kind of stopped paying, um, claiming, you know, they always, because they, they were a handyman. They had a little construction company going, so they were doing all these jobs. And, you know, and every other week it was, I got this job going. As soon as I get paid, you know, I'm going to take care of you. And the time would come, and he would literally say to us, or say to my husband, who would tell me, that, you know, you know, this came up, so-and-so, this came up. I had to buy my baby some diapers. Or, I mean, something, something came up that they had to do, you know, have to give the money to something else instead of, the roof over their head. Now, I I will give some, you know, just just a little bit of background saying that this was a um, childhood friend of my husband's, so there was history there. Wow. Yeah, and and then we come to find out that the person had moved in a relative and was charging the relative rent. What? And the yeah, and the relative had been paying the rent, and yet still we weren't getting the rent. <laughs> and you know when all of this come to uh, came to a, a, a you know a big dramatic you know climax there, he really felt like for the work that he was doing around the property, which we didn't think was you know anything at all, he should have been getting free rent total. <laughs> that was really his position. He honestly thought that in, in, in exchange for free rent, he would do a few things which honestly never got done. So eventually, and it took us a while because my husband was, you know, for some reason had this desire to, you know, at least part cordially. You know, he he, he knew the person's family. You know, there was some other uh, emotions going on there that, you know, he just was not aggressive about the eviction at all. Mm-hmm, but, this, mm-hmm. but this person had really come to believe that, you know, they were still in the property because it was, you know, God looking out for them. You know? Oh, my and gosh. That, and that we were the evil ones for, you know, wanting rent. And, you know, this person was also a minister at his church, and apparently his uh, his relative that lived with him also told us, who also was a member of the church, you know, he was regularly in the church telling people how God was looking out for him because he was still in this property, and despite, 
you know, person's attempts to get him out, he was still there. And when we did uh, evict him, we did it in two stages. We did the eviction, and, and, and actually now we're about to go back in and do the second part of the suit to for damages. You know, we wanted to do the eviction just to get him out and show him. And, and it worked because he honestly left with his, you know, thump in his chest telling his, you know, his, his congregation that, you know, he got to live, you know, over a year for rent because, you know, God knew he needed that, okay, <laughs> and oh, it was on God. his side. So, I mean, yeah, he constantly used God a lot. And, you know, it didn't matter what we needed, you know. It only mattered what he needed. It, it, it didn't matter what he agreed to. It only mattered, you know, you know what he needed to have happen. And that just, it, it was just one of those incidents, and it was, it was one particular incident because one of the things he also had done was really uh, had, had taken things out of the apartment we were renting to him and actually put it in his new apartment. He actually told my husband this. <laughs> but uh, when we found out he was doing this, my husband actually called the police on him one time and because the police didn't see him, obviously, they were like, well, we didn't see him do it, but, you know, he stopped doing it for now. But we were really shocked at how the neighborhood came to see what was going on when they saw the cop cars there. And they were, like, applauding for him. And, you know, really, and, and, and you know, some of the older people, like, you know, old, I mean, looking like they were in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, were really, like, telling my husband, see, 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 that's what happens to folks like you. And it was really shocking. You know, what, we were like trying. You. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I realize I'm only giving one side of the story here, but just from our from our perspective here, you know, we bought a building, we fixed it up, we tried to be, uh, you know, we didn't want to be slum lords. All we did was, you know, provide a building and then in return expect rent. You know, we're trying to secure our financial futures and for our children, and and then we have this person here who this one able-bodied person who, in our opinion, didn't honor their end of the agreement, who was just stuck there. So it was a real, it was a real eye-opener that, you know, uh, even when they can't pay rent, because he would regularly tell my husband, see, see, I had this money, and I was going to give it to you, but now I'm not. And he said that often, you know, during the really? And even when he left, he was bragging about it. So, yeah, he was saying this to us all the time. So I don't know what went on with there, and you know his 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 cousin that was living with him in the apartment, you know just told you know she told her version of it. She just she because she never knew that he wasn't paying, and and, and the last two or three months, um, that when she did find out, she she gave her part of the rent to my husband, unbeknownst to this guy. So we got a little bit of something. It was just a very interesting experience all the way around, and it, it was shocking to me that some people are so far gone into lip service, so far into being able to talk a good talk in front of, like, their congregation, espouse all these really great things, but in actuality, undermining their own credibility, undermining their character, their integrity. And I don't know, I just don't believe that this person is ever really going to accomplish that much in their life unless they really get, you know, make some serious changes to their character and integrity. Well... I'll never do business with them again, and I honestly have to believe that, you know, what you put out in the world, it comes back to you. Not in the way you put it out, but it comes back. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, so and, and, you know, and even my husband and I, you know, being the, you know, the optimistic, soul-searching people we were all, we were like, okay, well, we have to sit back and understand and really, um, um, really get honest about how it was we attracted this person mm-hmm. in our lives mm-hmm. and, and, and why is so, uh, you know, so lax about pursuing, you know, getting them out. Um, well, so, you know, we have, we do our own soul searching about that, and we just hope someday he does too. Well, you know, it, there's 
so, so many areas that I can go with this, but, you know, the thing that, that, that stands out in my mind is that, one, having um, uh, a lack mentality, mm-hmm. uh, and it's fascinating to me how I have also studied over the years, and I remember having a, <clears throat> a, a, a heated uh, discussion with Dr. <laughs> Dennis Kimbrough, mm-hmm. who, of course, you know, is a Harvard professor uh, of sociology, yeah, yeah. and talking about uh, you know not not really just focusing on african americans but focusing on those who have a lack mindset uh that some of the character two of the main characteristics of those who have a lack or poverty consciousness or poverty mindset is uh they uh have a sense of entitlement yes uh yes. and that they described our guy totally and and they uh are deeply uh, uh religious yes. and those two uh mm. ingredients to mindset ingredients together uh in 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 just my assessment is uh analogous to the war we're fighting in Afghanistan uh with the terrorists uh it's a, it's just a sense of 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 ignorance that is backed by spiritual conviction where you feel justified to do anything especially toward those who have more than you yes i i i'm in total i can totally see that <laughs> and and i look at those kind of people no differently than i look at at uh you know like i, I look at a, a you know a, a jihadist a terrorist uh, because it's it's a religious based uh, mindset where you are coming most of those people come from abject poverty never have had anything and they look at people who have not just americans but anybody who have had a level that they would consider to be success as evil yes undeserving um, yeah. you know disrespectful um not appreciative of others yeah, yeah. all that uh, exactly absolutely incredible that you went yeah. through this yeah yeah i mean that wasn't our first um, conviction, and I'm not going conviction. It wasn't our first eviction, um, and, and chances are it won't be our only. Like I said, um, evictions have been around for you know quite some time. Yeah, um, yeah. The recession did, you know, the recession did, you know, step it up a bit. But it, you know, it's the people who've been evicted are, I mean, have just been people with the worst um, mindset. Everything that you just said, you know, the the entitlement, deeply religious. Because I mean, we've had people in our properties who have lost jobs and things, but they come to us with a plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. all right, you know, I don't have, you know, I lost my job. This is what I can do. Right. You know, uh, you know, can we work this out? I mean, we have one guy, you know, paint all the buildings. I mean, you know, I mean, they really step up and, you know, offer some sort of service and exchange, something that at least we can say, okay, you know, it's not a loss. And those people we work we work with, and those people do find work again, and they're still there. I mean, we we actually have one person, you know, do babysitting for us. I mean, we've had all kinds of arrangements because we're willing to work with someone who's willing to work. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but sure. we've had people who just didn't. Um, you know, they will hoard all the money, not pay you for three months or so, just to get enough money to pay somebody else, the new landlord. Wow. 
Um, and, and, and those landlords who don't do their background checks, don't do their due diligence, take on the new headache. And I have no doubt in my mind. In fact, we, we just had two people move out after being late. Um, one of them owed about six months of rent um, and the other only about three months. But no doubt what they were doing, obviously, was piling, stockpiling, not giving us anything, li- living for free, you know, looking for us to pay for them, even though we don't know them that way. Um, and they gave it to the new landlord. So there's, there's a mindset behind it all. It's not just the person who's down on luck. The person who's down on luck but has, a, has the right mindset is going to make arrangements, is going to do what they can to honor their side of the agreement. I like that. That's absolutely on point. That is absolutely on point. Uh, and in that, uh, with that being said, uh, since you're an attorney, what would be your closing statements, closing arguments, uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, leading people uh, not just uh, uh, to to the water, but or they say leading a horse to water, but also just creating a thirst to make that uh, horse want to drink? What would be your closing statements on that? You know, I would say you got to be willing to be honest to look at where you are, um, how it is you're attracting the things you are attracting into your life, and get clear about where you want to go. And, you know, really understand that wherever you are in relation to wherever it is you want to go, you're in a good place. And by that I mean your situation is giving you the clarity you need uh, to get where you want to go. Uh Now you've got to be willing to step up and and put some action with the meditation. <laughs> put some action with the prayer, okay? Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's not just about praying to God for everything you want, okay? Now that you've prayed and, you know, called it into being, you've got to get out there and, phys- you know, get the physical manifestation side going. So wherever you are, hope is not lost. Um, you're in a good place to get going. And if you need help, um, figure out how to get it, Um there's, you know, a lot of great business coaches out there, you know. I'm, I happen to be one of them, but there are mm-hmm. a lot of other ones out there, you know, who can help you if it's your business that needs issues. If your life is, you know, kind of, if, if you could use some, some, some guided help to figuring out some things in your life, there's, you know, there's life coaches out there. But, I mean, get the help you need to move forward. And, and then, of course, make that courageous commitment. Have the courage to, to actually act on that. Fantastic. Give those web addresses once again, Sharon. Sure. For uh, strategic planning or, or, or even for more information on the mastermind, we didn't give that one, but actionablestrategicplanning.com. My uh, mastermind, you can find at strategicthinkers.org, strategicthinkers.org. Um, Sharin.com, that's S-H-E-R-R-I-N. Or if you're interested in really exploring the nutrition side, you can visit traditionalnutritionwisdom.com. Or check out my foundation at foundationforrealnutrition.org. I know there's a lot of websites, but they're they're all more you know they're very specialized so that you can go to the place to get the information you need. Fantastic, Sharan, you are a light in my life and a light in the world. You're one of a million. Thank, Thank you for being you. here. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. Anytime. All right, my dear. Love you much, and we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Bye bye now. All righty. Bye bye. <laughs> 